Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. We appreciate appreciate you listening to AFR, as we say every day. I'm Tim Wildman again with Fred Jackson in studio. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. We are here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and our good friend, Dr. Ray Pritchard, in Kansas City, Kansas. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Hey, the Chiefs came back and won that game last night. So I saw we're happy. some of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, well, uh, it's been a rough year, Tim. It's been a little, this, you know, the dynasty. The, we're right? having some trouble with the dynasty this year. So winning a game is a is cause for rejoicing here. I understand. Win, lose, or draw, Patrick Mahomes will make his house note. <laughs> yes. So. We don't, he's the half-billion-dollar man or whatever. You don't have to worry about that, the, the man with the golden arm. Uh, they'll probably come around. Um, well, listen, a lot to talk about today, and um, uh, Frank Turek will be joining us a little bit later on in the uh, program. Frank's topic for today, he sent it to us, is are miracles possible? Are miracles possible? We're not talking about in sports. We're not talking about in politics. We're talking about uh, divine intervention. Amen. And, and on a serious note. And mm-hmm. uh, so Frank's going to cover that. Are miracles possible? We read about miracles in the Bible, right? That's correct. Old Testament, New Testament, full Amen. of mm-hmm. full of miracles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Frank will talk about that uh, topic. And then Sandy Rios will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Sandy's always got something interesting and good to say. We'll try to draw something out of her. Yeah, and she uh, she'll she'll have some insights on the election today. Uh, yeah, and, she's uh, former Virginia resident. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, Fred, what's uh, what do you got leading off? Well, that's it. Uh, today is an election day. Normally, the year after a presidential election, not a lot of people pay attention to what's going on election wise. But today, not. That case, especially there's a lot of stuff going on across the country from school board elections. We've got a major issue up in Minneapolis. We'll talk about where there it's not defund the police. It's get rid of the police department altogether. But by far, uh, the issue that has gained the nation's attention is the gubernatorial race in Virginia. And people are watching that. They're really they're comparing it. They're talking about it being a referendum on on Joe Biden's presidency. Uh, basically, they're talking it as a referendum on who should control the education of your kids. School Should the school board take over and the parents need to just not have a say in what's going on? And that education issue has just electrified the people there in Virginia. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, early on, he is the Democrat candidate. He was governor of Virginia. The way things are set up, you can't run... Uh, two uh, twice in a row. So he was governor of Virginia. Uh, he's come back. He wants to run again. But right off the bat, he irked a lot of people in Virginia, parents in particular, uh, with regards to claiming that critical race theory is not being taught in their schools. And the parents there know better. But this is what he insisted. Cut number two. He talks about critical race theory. Let's be clear, folks. Critical race theory has never been taught in the Commonwealth of Virginia. He says day one he's going to ban it. 
He's going to ban something that doesn't exist. All right. He's talking about his opponent, uh, Youngkin. Youngkin, yes. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. Well, the parents know better. This is what has happened, is that the parents have gone to the school board meetings, and they've, they've looked at the books that are in the schools there in, in Virginia, and they're saying, oh, yes, it is. It is being taught. This morning on Fox and Friends, one of the moms there in Loudoun County, which is kind of ground zero in the big fight in Virginia, uh, the mom's name is Ezra uh, Nomani. Now, she uh, immigrated to this country when she was a little girl. She loves America. She's very worried about the future of America because of the education system. Here's what she did. She brought with her to the studio this morning a pile of books that are used as the uh, part of the curriculum in Virginia schools. The books that she talked about, and we're going to hear a little bit about them in just a second. The books that she talked about are books that are quoted in critical race theory texts in universities. All right? So have a listen to this. And, folks, you, you may want to check this because maybe these books are being used in your school as well. Here's Ezra Nomani. This is what they say is taught in law schools, critical race theory. But... Thank you. In our little show and tell, I'll show you. A is for activist. This is the book that is then becomes what our children get in our school systems. And you can see here, Ainsley, this subtle image wow. of a militant. And this is what they are turning our children into, militants. Are these books that are in our classrooms here in Virginia? They are in Virginia. Woke baby, genderqueer. This is where they then start messing with issues of sexuality. Not my idea, where they literally have said that whiteness is a deal with the devil. All right, so that's one mom. Remember we had the other mom from Loudoun County. We played the clip yesterday of the mom saying her little girl came home from school there in Loudoun County, and she told her mom, Mom, I was told today I'm evil because I have white skin. All of this has just come out. It has exploded. And what's really on trial, I believe, here in Virginia, and uh, it's why the nation's attention there, is the education system. You know, we were talking in our story meeting this morning in the newsroom. We had the Tea Party movement that erupted uh, back 2008, 2010, I guess mm -hmm. it would be. But I think this is even stronger. It is driven, this movement that has erupted in Virginia, and I believe is traveling across the country, is made up of Republicans and Democrats. A lot of these moms and dads who were interviewed this morning, have been interviewed during the course of the last several weeks, are Democrats. They voted for Joe Biden mm -hmm. in 2020. But they have found out what their schools have been teaching their little boys and little girls, and they say this time, no, we are voting Republican this time. Mm -hmm. So we'll know maybe tonight, at least by the end of the week, the results of all of this. Well, the, the polling has shown that uh, Youngden, the, uh, the Republican candidate, has moved ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, the polling has uh, been very, very close uh, mm -hmm. leading up to today, Election Day. Uh, however, uh, Yunkin, the Republican, has, mm -hmm. is polling one to two to three points ahead the last week. Yes, the last, the last week the he last, has pulled ahead. The last week. But we'll see. Uh, Ray, it'll be an upset should Yunkin, the Republican, win in Virginia. Virginia's been trending blue now for a decade.
you know, there's no way Terry McAuliffe should lose this race. I mean, two or three months ago, he was way ahead in the polls. McAuliffe was. He, I mean, if you just talk about name identification, a friend of the Clintons and the Obamas, you know, you couldn't find anybody bigger part of the Washington establishment and preferred by the Democrats. And then it comes Duncan. I mean, people, people in Virginia didn't even know who he was. But Fred, you have just made the case so beautifully that uh, Americans are waking up to what is happening to our children. We will, adults will put up with a lot of stuff that happens to us, but Americans are a feisty bunch when it comes to what is happening to our children. And at long last, Loudoun County, Fairfax County, other places in Virginia, parents are waking up and they're saying, we do not want this CRT nonsense taught in our schools. We've got the trans policy. Some, I mean, some awful things are happening in the public schools. Uh, Virginia people are waking up. And one other thing, Yunkin is very smart. He made this a Virginia election. He's not yeah. arguing international politics. He's saying what is best for the families of Virginia. That's why he's got a great chance, a great chance of winning tonight. You said uh, one million people have already voted. One million people have already voted. They've been voting now for 45 days. Hmm. And uh, one, one million uh, ballots have come in. Uh, also, according to the Virginia rules, they started counting those votes in the last seven days. So when the... Well, good for them. I'm glad yeah. they're not waiting until tonight to start. Well, the networks, when they come on tonight, they should have some results, like, right, instantly. Right. Uh, so we'll find out. There are about 6 million registered voters there in Virginia, I'm told. So about 20% of the uh, uh, voting has already taken place. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Loudoun County... Fairfax County, Prince George County, across the north there of the state. Uh, th that's the most populated area. Mm -hmm. That's the area that has tended to go Democrat over the last 10 years, as you said. But it is parents living in those counties that are changing their minds, according to the polls. They're worried about their kids' education, and they just may manifest that concern by voting Republican tonight. Well, we'll see. You live in the Commonwealth of Virginia, obviously, and you haven't voted yet. You need to get out and vote today. Yes. A very, very important race. The nation is watching what will happen. Uh, as I said, uh, McAuliffe, the Democrat, you know, would be considered the favorite. Yes. Um, by that, I mean, I mean, he, Democrats have won the last two or three mm -hmm. statewide elections on the gubernatorial side. Um, but... So if the Republican wins tonight, it'll it'll be it'll be the Democrats will then they'll turn on each other uh, even more now. Well, and it's it's a, a lot of people see it as a referendum on Biden. McAuliffe brought in heavy duty Democrats, President of the United States, Vice President of the United States, Barack Obama, former President of the United yeah, States. They pulled out all the stops. Youngin did not do that. Right. He did not right. do that. Right. All right, you're listening to the radio program, Today's Issue. Should you want to watch on uh, what Ed Battagliano calls that there internet, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube or Facebook and just type in Today's Issues, and you can watch this live video stream there. Also, we are posting the stories that we discuss where we get our information from, uh, The uh, so you'll have the, the source of what we uh, base our comments on. Fred gives those to Brent Creeley, our producer, and Brent puts them up there, up there on our Facebook page so check that out should you want to send us an email 
comments at AFR.net. Comments at AFR.net is our email address. Well, Dr. Frank Turk joins us now from the estate just south of uh, Virginia, North Carolina. Frank lives in the Charlotte area. He's the uh, founder of Cross-Examined Ministries. And uh, Frank, good morning to you, brother. Good morning. Hey, you know, I've heard Stalin say this. Apparently this came from Stalin. It doesn't matter who actually votes. It matters who counts the votes. Hmm. Yeah. Who's who's counting the votes? Why don't That's you what go I up there? Take you about huh? three. Why don't you drive up to North Virginia? Take you about three hours. Get up there and start counting some votes for us. Yeah, in the name of inclusion, uh, tolerance, and diversity, they would not include me in their <laughs> diverse uh, counting techniques. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But, uh, well, this uh, also it is important that we watch and see that this is an election that's fair, yes. right? Yeah. Whoever wins, you want it to be fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that'll not, that'll be a, a sub-story of the main story. It will, may become the main story if, if some shenanigans go on mm-hmm. uh, in, in Virginia. But hopefully that won't happen. We'll see what happens uh, later this evening. All right, hey, Frank, go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to ask you one thing about that, uh-huh. Fred. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but was this – uh, governor race. By the way, there's another one in New Jersey today. This, these That's are right. Off, the, these, the, are, the, these are off-year voting mm-hmm. uh, events with, with governors. But, Fred, did it, w- was this a mail-in voting situation like it was in the election last year that everybody got a ballot and they're mailing them in, or do they have to come in and vote at well, a polling place? Do you I'm know? not sure if everybody in the state got a ballot mailed to them whether they wanted it or not, but we do know a million people have voted in advance. Now, that would be both polling and absentee, but you do have people mailing in votes, if that's that's the mm. question you're asking. You do have people mailing in votes, yes. In fact, uh, it, as long as your mail-in vote is postmarked by midnight tonight, it will be counted. In other words, they have, uh, until Friday, the window is open to count those late mail-in ballots. How many ballots... Can I mail in? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on how many Social Security numbers you have, how many uh, grave sites you may have visited and check Mm -hmm. the tombstones. No. All right, Frank, do miracles happen? (laughs) Well, hey, hey, where did that come from? Gee. (laughs) That's a topic you gave us. I'm trying to switch gears here. Yeah, that's right. Well, typically Uh, when we go to a college campus, which we'll be at one tomorrow night if our our flight isn't canceled, tomorrow night I'll be at – Northwest Missouri State University. That's north of Kansas City. And uh, when we go to a college campus, we present the evidence that Christianity is true. We cover four questions. Does truth exist? Does God exist? Are miracles possible? And is the New Testament telling us the truth about the resurrection? And when we do the question, are miracles possible? I always ask people, what's the greatest miracle in the Bible? And uh, the answer I get more than any, well, the resurrection is. And, the, and my counter to that is, no, the resurrection's easy compared to the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle in the Bible is the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. Because if that verse is true, every other verse in, in the Bible is at least possible. Yeah. I mean, if God can create the universe out of nothing, then, of course, he can raise Jesus from the dead. He can walk on water. He can, he can uh, turn water into wine. Do any of the miracles that the Bible talks about. Even Noah and Jonah he can do if he can create the universe out of nothing. And the interesting point is, is that even atheists are admitting the data for the first verse. They're admitting that space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing. Now, they, don't, they don't think it's God, but what else could it be? 
I mean, if space-time and matter literally had a beginning, as the atheists are admitting, then whatever caused space-time and matter can't be made of space-time and matter, right? I mean, the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent. And that sounds like a lot like God. Mm. Right? So, Frank, help us here at the very beginning. When you say use the word miracle, what are we really talking about? Because, you know, in common parlance, people say things like, well, my team was down by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and it was a miracle comeback. So people use the word that way. When you use the word, what are we talking about? What is What counts as a miracle? Yeah, it's a good question, Ray. It's, it's not when your team's down by four touchdowns. Uh, it, it means that God has somehow overpowered a natural law. Uh, so what we confuse a lot is uh, providence and miracles. Providence is God working through the natural course of events, like, for example, the fog at Normandy. Fog happens normally, but it happened at that point in sort of a, a spiritual context on June 6, 1944. Fog wasn't normally happening there in uh, off the coast of France, but it did, which helped obscure our attack on the Nazis. But it wasn't a miracle. It would have been a miracle if we had assaulted the beach and the bullets bounced off the chests of the you know, of the uh, American soldiers and, and British soldiers. That that, w- that would be a miracle where God is overpowering a natural law. So we use providence all the time. I hear, you know, it was a miracle I met my wife. No, it wasn't, unless she walked across the lake to, to, to meet you, right? <laughs> it may have been divine providence that God had oriented events to take place, <clears throat> excuse me, in a natural way, <clears throat> but there was a spiritual context to it. So, yeah, there's a difference between divine providence and a miracle. Uh Miracles are, by definition, rare. True? They have to be, yeah. Okay. And they have to be rare because if they're not, Tim, there would be no way that we would recognize them as special acts of God. Like, for example, uh, suppose resurrections occurred all the time. What would the resurrection of Christ mean to us? It would mean nothing, right? I mean, you go to somebody, you go, Jesus rose from the dead to prove he was God. And the guy goes, so what? Uncle Leroy just rose from the dead two weeks ago. You know, now I got to give the inheritance back. So it, <laughs> it can't be a regular event. If it's a regular event, then it doesn't get our attention as a special act of God. And the only way we could recognize miracles is against the backdrop of regular repeatable events, mm. natural occurrences that happen all the time. Have you ever had a miracle happen to you? Not, not where God overpowered a natural law. I had divine providence a lot where God has prearranged events that go beyond coincidence. But I've never seen anyone rise from the dead. I think there are miracles that occur today. In fact, Craig Keener, who's a brilliant scholar who teaches at Asbury Seminary in Kentucky, has written a hernia-inducing two-volume set on modern-day miracles, uh, which you can get. It's 1,200 pages long, the two uh, the two. I'm sorry, did combined. you say hernia-inducing? <laughs> hernia-inducing. I thought yeah. you were well, – that sounded like something Biden would say. <laughs> Uh, Who? Ordering at the restaurant. <laughs> it's a miracle he can say anything right I now. Know. What are you talking about? I know. Come on. But, uh, all right, Ray, has any uh, miracles uh, ever happened? I know I'm asking you right off the top of your head, but uh, you would generally remember a miracle, Okay. Right? All right. Let me, let me deflect that. Okay. By, let me deflect that. But I want to ask Franklin the question, if, if miracles can happen today, mm-hmm. how would we – what would be the distinguishing – how would we know – a, a providence versus that was a clear miracle of God. Well, something uh, like someone asked for healing 
in the name of Jesus and the person's instantaneously healed. That okay, has yeah, happened. That would do it, right? Yeah, I mean, Craig Keener has has instances of that. In fact, Lee Strobel has a more popular book on the case for miracles, where he has documented cases of 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 these kinds of things occurring. So that would be a miracle. But I, I, I think we need to be quick to point out that Christianity does not require miracles to occur today. There could be no miracles since Jesus and the apostles and Christianity would still be true. The, the, mm. the, the problem for atheists is this. Think about this. If For atheism to be true, every single miracle claim and spiritual experience in the history of the world has to be false. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. Is that reasonable? No. Everyone has been wrong about this for all time? No, I don't think so. You know, uh, we read about the miracles in the Old Testament. Well, it's all through the Bible, Old Testament and the New Testament, but it, it, it's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, Frank. When atheists or agnostics say, uh, okay, you're telling me that millions of people walked across the floor of the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Like that could really happen. And and uh, I, then I say back to them, I haven't had this discussion maybe once in my life, but I'm getting hypothetical. I would say, uh, we are talking about God here. You know, we are talking about as to, to, to go on what Frank's saying, we're talking about the God of the universe who created everything we see. Uh, it would be nothing for him to part the sea and let the children of Israel walk across. I mean, so it really depends on whether you believe in God or not. That's true. Yeah, right? and I think think there's independent evidence that there is God regardless of any miracle claim. All right, what about this, though? And I, 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 we're probably getting into a, a seminary class here. That, uh, But I want to ask you this, Frank, and Ray can respond. So I pray for a miracle. Uh, let's say I get sick, I get cancer, and I pray for a miracle um, for God to heal me, and he doesn't, and I die. Mm -hmm. uh, does that mean God doesn't care about me, or God, I mean, why, why, why can't a miracle like that happen in my life? Yeah, well, no, it doesn't mean God doesn't care about you. We always have to take the eternal view, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, that our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us a greater weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, for what is seen is temporary, but, what is, but on what is unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. We're all going to die at some point. That's our graduation day, did Lazarus, actually. Did Lazarus die? He, he went died after that. He was, he was resuscitated. He didn't get the resurrection body like Jesus did. He died again. But Jesus had the resurrection body. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus had the power over death and could heal Lazarus, but Lazarus later went on to die. So just because God doesn't do a miracle every time we want doesn't mean he, he doesn't exist. In fact, imagine if God was our cosmic bellboy, and every time we wanted something, we asked God, and he gave it to us. There are some I don't know about there, you. There, there are some televangelists who yeah, teach I know. that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's not right. Christianity, though, right. because if he, if he did that— then I don't know about you, but I'd become even more spoiled and bratish than I already am. If I got everything I wanted every time, it wouldn't be about God. It would be about me. I wouldn't be growing in Christ. I'd be coming more and more selfish and more and more self-centered and more and more me-centered here and now. So I wouldn't God, become God, like, I wouldn't God become is not like uh, God is not your uh, cosmic cosmic, cosmic Santa Claus. That's, no, he's not. Mm -mm. Uh, and there are some folks who teach that kind of theology in the name of Christianity. 
and I've just watched that stuff sometimes, and I go, this is so wrong. It is. To mislead people like this. Uh, All right, so, Frank, what is your uh, website, and what's coming up uh, this weekend? Crossexamined.org, and we'll be talking about some apologetic topic like this. Evidence for the faith. So tune tune in at 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern, right here in the American Family Radio Network. All right, thanks. Thank you, buddy. God bless you guys. See you. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Stay with us. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Are you ready to travel again? I hope you are. We've been cooped up in our homes now for, what, a year and a half? A lot of Americans have. And it's time to get back out and see our country. We're going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon. We're also going to Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We've been doing these tours for several years now. We've set the dates for 2022. We're going in June and we're going in September. So you pick the month you want to go. We're also doing those tours back to back. So if you want to see Williamsburg, Jamestown, also see D.C. and Mount Vernon, we'll take care of you for the whole week. So for all the information available on these tours, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. We're going to have a wonderful time together with Christians from all over the country on both of these tours. We'll see you then. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. When Democrats know they're in trouble, they play the race card. It is a tired, offensive trope, but it is also very effective. Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat in the Virginia gubernatorial race, played the race card just the other day, trying to tie his opponent, Glenn Youngkin, to white supremacists. In truth, it is Mr. McAuliffe who associates with individuals who have questionable racial behavior, like Governor Ralph Northam, photographed years ago, allegedly in blackface and a KKK outfit. McAuliffe also said there are far too many white teachers in Virginia, calling for a moratorium on the hiring of people because of the color of their skin. And he also lashed out at parents who oppose critical race theory. He said their outrage was bathed in racism. Politics is an ugly business. But to intentionally divide people based on skin color is repulsive. And let's hope voters send a clear message to Democrats that line has been crossed. I'm Todd Starnes. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Today's issues is the name of the program here, and we thank you for listening. Fred Jackson with me, Tim Wildman, and Dr. Ray Pritchard is uh, co-hosting with us today. Joining us now is Sandy Rio. Sandy joins us most Tuesdays at this time, and she is a uh, host of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Uh, many, many of you listen to Sandy's show from 7 to 8 o'clock Central Time right here on AFR. And then she's also uh, she also serves as director of governmental affairs for the American Family Association. So she represents our ministry in our nation's capital. And uh, Sandy, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, Tim? What's going to happen in Virginia today, Sandy? Wow, I don't have a crystal ball. I know that's a shock, but I don't. I think um, I think uh, certainly if things were fair, I don't think there's any question that Glenn Youngkin would beat Terry McAuliffe. He's ahead by about eight points. Uh, that the, many? The, yep, that many. Wow. I haven't seen that <laughs> poll. Where'd you get yeah. that? Oh, a lot, lots of different places. I okay. can't cite one right now, but um, no, he's ahead. Uh, but the problem is there are other forces. I don't know that won't surprise Cheaters? <laughs> yeah. Well, we know from an analysis of... Uh, of uh, Capital Research Center that Terry McAuliffe has has received hundred um, millions of dollars from outside interests uh, like uh, Planned Parenthood and uh, but that happens uh, like every Michael but that, doesn't that happen every race for the Democrats uh, Republicans yes, too but, some of them but go ahead y- yes but he's received like uh, several times more in, uh, money than Glenn Youngkin has received so okay. the money disparity is amazing. Uh, plus, we ha- they have a delay in counting mail-in ballots. I think they have a, up until, according to the rules that they've followed since the 2020 election, which was so fair, uh, they can count mail-in ballots up to three days after the election results are in uh, tonight. So after the results come in, they'll have three days to, you know, find what they need. Uh, also, uh, we know that um, he has also appointed, meaning Terry McAuliffe has po- appointed a guy named Mark Elias, Mark's name may not be familiar in general to people, but he is the guy behind the scenes orchestrating the bad stuff that happened in the 2020 presidential election. Mark is a uh, um, part of a law firm uh, that is known for doing that. They work with Democrats, and Mark is like the the genius at uh, making elections turn out the way you want them. And so Terry McAuliffe has hired Mark Elias to work for him. And that's just a red flag for many of us who watched what happened with 2020. So, uh, and all that, I'll add another reason why I'm uh, skeptical or concerned: the Republican leadership in Virginia is bad. Uh, they are they are uh, establishment Rhino Republicans. They are not willing to do the hard things, whether it comes to election uh, integrity or uh, other kinds of things. And so. Uh, they are pretty close to the kind of leadership we see in Washington from Republicans. So they're, they have not really, it's the people who are upset. They're the ones doing the rallies, and they're the ones that have struck the match of passion in the hearts of voters all over the place. It's not the Republican Party. Yeah. I don't think they've done a lot of door-to-door working. Uh, and so those are the reasons why uh, it's going to be tough for Glenn Youngkin. Not that, I think that 
my understanding from friends who are right there and have been to his rallies, there's so much enthusiasm. And Ken Cuccinelli was my guest yesterday. He said, this just feels like a win. This just feels like a win to me. And of course, Ken has run for governor twice in Virginia, so he, he can say that with some expertise. So that's the mixed answer mm-hmm. I give you on who's okay. going to win tonight. It's interesting, Sandy, that even the liberal media is writing with concern uh, in the wording of their stories about uh, perhaps Joe Biden has been such a liability for McAuliffe. But then you have McAuliffe, who has insisted on make he has helped make education the big issue here. Yesterday, in the final day of campaigning, he was out campaigning with the head of the teachers' union, uh, Randy Weingarten. Uh, and it's education's a big issue. She is blamed for keeping schools shut down for months, yet he is out campaigning with her. I, I don't know. It's it's almost like he wanted to get in people's faces. He has done nothing to win the hearts back of those Democrats who have turned against him as a result of what's going on in schools. Well, I know, and both both of the teachers' unions have been big donors to his campaign this time. Mm-hmm. It's a it's so it's Randy Weingartner's, and it's also the National Education Association. And it is we all understand that's been it's what's been happening in Virginia public schools with uh, transgender bathrooms and the assault in the bathroom by of the girl by a boy in a dress. Uh, it's all of that. So that's what's got people upset. That's the nerve that was hit. And Terry McAuliffe, of course, has been horrible in his response. His response was that parents, you know, shouldn't have anything to do with what the curriculum teaches. Mm. And as you said, what a foolish thing then to go parading around with Randy Weingartner. I, I just, I guess he has, maybe, again, he knows the things I just told you uh, when you asked me what I thought would happen. Uh, and he may have a lot of confidence that he's going to have some help. I don't well, know. I don't know. McAuliffe yesterday was, a couple of days ago, Ray was, uh, you know, going after the serious problem of white teachers in Virginia. Uh, <laughs> did you see this? I, I uh, heard well, something I about it. Yeah, I mean. So we got, too, we, we, we got too many white teachers. We need to get rid of the white teachers in, uh, in Virginia. Uh, you know, I mean, he didn't say get rid of them to be fair, but that's what he's talking about. He's saying uh, we got 80% white teachers. We got. I don't know. He was it was it was racial demagoguery again. These Democrats, when they run out of issues to talk about, they just try to pander to uh, people's emotions, and and it seems like it always comes down right to, uh, hey, vote for me, and we'll keep the KKK out of office. <laughs> okay, so they accuse the Republicans of playing the race card. You couldn't do it any more blatantly than Terry McAuliffe did. I know, Cindy. Sandy, I want to pose a question to you this way, because if you run the clock back six months ago, nothing is more impossible than the situation that we have this morning. You go back a few months, Terry McAuliffe has an unbelievable lead. There's no way, no way a man with his name recognition and so on could be on the verge of losing to Glenn Youngkin. I mean, he's just, even the people of Virginia Republicans really didn't know much about him, but there's hope for all the reasons you said. His campaign caught fire. McAuliffe has made mistake after mistake after mistake. So, Sandy, my question is this. Let's suppose, I mean, it would be nice if we had a winner tonight, but who knows? They're going to count for a long time, I suppose, there in Virginia. But let's suppose Yunkin pulls through. 
let's suppose whether it's 1% or 3%, when it's all said and done, he's the next governor of Virginia. What message does that send, and how does that set things up for the midterm elections next year? Because this is going to be kind of a seismic political earthquake if Youngkin does win. So what does that mean going forward if indeed he's the next governor of Virginia? Well, I don't think there's any doubt it will energize the base. Uh, if they could be more energized, I think that would be like electric shock. And I think, I think Virginia is, and it's also going to demoralize the other side. So that's a simple answer. I would say, in on a deep level, I think Virginia is possibly cracking the nut of the left using racism toward blacks, racism toward minorities of any kind against conservatives, because so many black parents, for instance, in Virginia, are now understanding what the left, who were supposed to be their friends, their protectors, you know, through the Democratic Party, what they're really up to and what they're really about. I think the veil has come off of the the eyes of a lot of minority voters in Virginia who are not Republicans— Uh, and other people that are not Republicans, too, by seeing what they're trying to do with kids. And I want to give you an example. Like in uh, for the the, the lieutenant governor, there are two candidates. It's Hala Ayala. She's uh, the Democrat. And then there's Winsome Sears, who is the Republican. Winsome is a black former Marine. And uh, I've been told that she's the most conservative candidate in the entire lineup. So Winsome Sears, the Republicans running, Mark Herring, his attorney general, uh, by the way, he is a nightmare. He was a nightmare from almost the second day he was, first day he was in office when he was elected, I think, back in 2014. And he's being challenged by uh, a young Cuban immigrant named Jason Mayaris. Uh, and uh, he's a conservative, and he talks about his family and the law and order and all of that. So we've got two minorities who, the point is, it doesn't matter about your color, It's your character and also how that character manifests in what you embrace and believe in and what you do with the job that you have. And so um, I'm hoping that the dagger will be put in the heart of the left using that over and over and over the racist charge against conservatives. And I hope Virginia will be the beginning of that, that, just seeing that fall. All right, Sandy, thanks so much for being on with us, uh, and we, uh, we'll we we'll watch with you this evening, see what happens, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of commentary on that tomorrow morning at 7.05 Central Time. Thanks, Sandy. You're very welcome. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sandy Rios joining us there. All right, so we'll be – what about the New Jersey uh, gubernatorial race? Is any – that's not getting much attention to – it's, it's not getting as much attention because uh, the way the polling has, has been going, the incumbent, uh, Governor Murphy, the Democrat, has been showing strong in all the polling. Uh, just popped up in front of us here in one of the networks, uh, seven, eight points ahead. So uh, New Jersey is a more liberal state than Virginia, the history. Uh, so there, uh, that's not getting the attention. Uh, that certainly Virginia is getting. So we'll have to wait and see. It'll be watched tonight. But, but guys, the other big issue is what's happening in Minneapolis. Is a city the size of Minneapolis actually going to vote to get, not defund, but get rid of their police department? Like, no, they're not going to. Dissolve it. 
that, that, that is on the ballot today. That's that's what's on the ballot. That's the question. In in the city of Minneapolis proper? Yes. Okay, so the, what, do you know what the ballot question is? Can you, uh, can you quote it? I, I can't quote it, but it, it is to eliminate the police department and replace it with, uh, let me get you the right name, it's some kind of community. Anyway, it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, Department like of Social no, Workers. De, no, Department of Public Safety. Okay, so, so we're going to get rid of the. Police what's department. the difference between the Department of Public Safety and the Police Department? I, it sounds like the difference is this: you call nine one one if they get rid of the Police Department, yeah. and um, there's a domestic dispute. Yeah. Not sending to the police. We're sending a social worker out there. They're not going to get any social workers that are going to volunteer. For, well, not volunteer. They're going to want to do that. That's yeah. just that, that's idiocy. Yeah. And it will be voted down by Democrats today. And that's my prediction, Ray. What about okay. you? Uh, one, just one yeah. point before we go to Ray. Here's what's interesting. Uh, I, I want to play you uh, uh, actuality of a black pastor in Minneapolis. All right? He was upset about the death of George Floyd, which is what generated the anger against police departments across the country, Democratic cities. Here's what's interesting. And I want you to listen to him. He said this leftist agenda to get rid of the police department is driven by white people, not black people. He says the black people in Minneapolis want to keep the police department. I want you to have a listen to what he has to say, but also it'll be followed by uh, Cecilia Davis, who is a uh, African-American woman who is also a Republican congresswoman from that area. So let's have a listen to what they have to say about this. Cut four. The majority of African-Americans don't want this. These are progressives that's moving on their own agenda that I call a white supremacist agenda to define our reality, then force us to live up under their definition. While they have the opportunity to do some things that would reduce crime, they're still not doing it. They've given us something that has no plan at all, and this is not good for the city, and it's certainly not good for my people. What is being asked, Minneapolis residents are being asked to vote vote on a public safety amendment today when they know there's absolutely nothing in it besides a gutted police force, layers of bureaucratic red tape, and a panel of unqualified woke imagineers who are left to protect our state's most diverse city. Who, who's that talking there, the lady? That, that is the Republican congresswoman for Minneapolis. Uh, there's a Republican congresswoman for Minneapolis? Must yeah, no. be... Let's try to understand that. Cause that's where Ilan Omar comes from. And it must be a, just a, all the Republicans live in one district. You know? I guess so. I all right, guess. Fra- go ahead, Ray. Well, first of all, I love that phrase, woke Imagineers. That's good. <laughs> yes. I, I, that's, very, that's a creative way to put it. You know, we asked Jan Markell this uh, last week, Tim, and she said, she said she didn't know. She thought it was going to be pretty close. She thought it was a possibility. Really? Yeah, yeah. She didn't say definitively, but she said she thought it was a possibility they might vote to defund the police up there. Common sense, Tim, says you're right, okay? Common sense is exactly right that, that, the, that the grassroots people of Minneapolis are not going to defund the police department. That's the way it should go. But, but a lot of these are the same people who gave us Representative Ilhan Omar so, listen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. As, I'm not as certain about that as you are. How's that for? How's that for? Well, a I'm, I'm going to say seventy, seventy to eighty percent of the I people right. uh, of Minneapolis vote against defunding the police. 
tonight. Yeah. Today is today. Be, here, here's today. the huh? Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Well, listen. <laughs> I don't think you can do this legally. Um, you can't have the wild, wild west in a city. You talk about losing all your conventions. You talk about your sports teams moving out of town, businesses closing down. Who's gonna Who's gonna when when you have a, a traffic accident in the middle of town? Who comes and writes the ticket and gets the? Tim, this is the city where you had a peaceful riot with buildings burning in the background, and they let the mobs in and, yeah. and burn out the police precinct, and basically no. nothing was done about it. So, I, you're you're right in what should be okay. I just don't know. Uh, uh, in many, in, it's hard to know in America how people are going to vote. Things aren't as clear as they used to be, right? I found the comments from that black pastor very interesting. I mean, he's for police reform, but I hope you understand what he was saying there. He said this this idea, this philosophy that what this city needs is to get rid of its police department. He says, my community, this is the way he was addressing the black community. He says, we don't want this. This is driven by white Liberals. Liberals. Right. Right. That's right. who's driving this. Yeah. We don't want The white this. liberals who live in gated communities. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. They, they, they want the black folks in the inner city to be free of police, uh, uh, whatever, brutality. Um, it's, uh, and, and we're seeing this over and over and over again. In Portland, Seattle, it, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's white people telling black people we're doing something great for you we're going to defund right. the police department right. we're going to create lawlessness in your area and you yeah. need to be happy about that yes all right uh, that's just it's insanity i i'll be sh- anyway i don't know anything about this right ra- about the the polling or anything i'm just saying i think 70 to 80 percent of the people today in minneapolis are going to say no to defunding the police or getting rid of the getting rid of the police department but we'll see what happens there? You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, next story, Fred. Yeah, I guess we're we're billing it as the uh, the next insanity issue uh, that's out there, and that's these vaccine mandates uh, that are coming down the pipe. We now have over nine thousand emergency workers, police, ambulance people. I'll Firefighters, firefighters, sanitation, sanitation in, in department. Talking that, about New York City? Yes, they're off the job, thanks hmm. to the mayor. When did that start? De Blasio, yesterday, about 24 hours ago, they had not verified that they got the vaccine, therefore you're out. The garbage is piling up already because garbage workers are also out. There's sanitation department people, Fred. Sanitation department. Call them garbage people. There you go. Good night. That's insulting. <laughs> That's insulting. It's terrible. I know you didn't mean to. But, no. But uh, this, this, that is one kind of spotlight. But look across the country. These vaccine mandates. We have uh, L.A. County Sheriff Alex uh, Villanueva was on Fox & Friends this morning. He has already stated publicly that in the county of Los Angeles, that he is not going to enforce the mandate. But also he talked this morning that he, he doesn't control who gets laid off because they won't have a vaccine, but he talked about what's going to happen to that police department, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, what's going to happen to them when this vaccine mandate takes hold in that county, which is absolutely huge. Cut eight. 
I have a 20% increase in people that are putting into retire early. I have 238 right. deputies are now applying for out-of-county jobs that do not have vaccine mandates. And I have 1,600 potential people that have 28 years or more of service. They could just walk away and not lose a penny and not even look back. And that is a huge threat to the department is already severely understaffed. It takes me almost a year and a half to replace an entry-level worker, to replace a veteran 30-year expert in whatever capacity, for example, a homicide investigator. Yeah. Those are decades. You cannot quantify the, the impact that is on public safety, but guarantee you homicides will go up. A lot of things are going to go up, and response time is going to get longer and longer. Who is that? That is the uh, sheriff of L.A. County. Millions of people. Wow, they, and he said he's about to lose? He's about to lose about 20% of his force. And what he's saying here is people are already who are close to retirement. I'm going to retire now. I'm not going to put up with right. this nonsense. He's got another bunch of his deputies that are saying, I'm going to go to the county next door to, that doesn't have these silly mandates. I'm leaving here. So he said, and that to add to all of this, a lot of people think, well, so you lose an officer, you'll just replace them tomorrow. No, he says it takes a year to train them, to bring it up to scratch. And he says, we're going to be in a dangerous situation when this mandate kicks in. Ray, go ahead. It seems to me that this kind of ties in with our previous discussion about defunding the police. Here's another way you accomplish that. By, by You lay down a vaccine mandate, and suddenly thousands of police officers, EMT workers, sanitation workers, suddenly they're off the job, and you have the same basic result as defunding the police. They're just not there. So you have a crisis. You've got a medical crisis. You've got somebody has a heart attack. There's a break-in at your house. You make a call 911, and they say, I'm sorry, there is no one to respond to your call. You have effectively defunded your own police and fire and EMT people, uh, and you're out of luck when trouble comes. It's a dangerous thing. It's another reason, Fred, why these mandates are such a terrible, terrible idea. And you know what? It's these 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 COVID vaccine mandates are so unnecessary. Yes, so unnecessary. You want to listen? All these. Uh, people who are trying to impose the mandates, companies and governments and so forth, they're typically giving their people three months to comply mm-hmm. or more. Huh? Mm-hmm. As we said yesterday, that belies any argument for the, this being a state of emergency. Right? Yeah. If we were in a state of crisis and emergency and everybody must get a shot to prevent us from the, the, our country from ending basically huh then you know what you do you'd say you got to get it by tuesday yeah you get it by tuesday so we can stop this virus so that people's lives are saved no they're saying you got you know what we're going to give you to the middle of december to decide whether you're going to get a uh a, a quote vaccine shot or not and i'm going well this must not be that big of an emergency then if you're giving me three months to decide and by the way uh the the uh, shots that you that they're giving now, the vaccine shots that they're giving now, they were designed for the virus last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, I'm simplifying this. I'm not a doctor, but basically, with it, well, you y'all know when I, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They were very successful uh, mm-hmm. in addressing the original COVID nineteen. 
by very successful, I mean what? They had a 90 to 95% success rate, right? Uh, now the, the Delta variant comes along, and who knows what other variants is going to come along as we go through time here. There'll be other ones that come along of the COVID. Mm-hmm. And the vaccine that was a ri- that was uh, very successful against the original or had a high efficiency rate. Uh, efficiency rate, is that correct? Efficiency. Okay. Yeah, ep- whatever. Efficacy? Yeah, that, but that's a hard word for me to say. <laughs> uh, but but don't apply. Now you've got, we all know, we every one of us listening right now, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, whatnot, everybody knows that people who are vaccinated are getting sick just like people who are unvaccinated. And right? transmitting. Every day. Yes. Right. Jen Psaki. She's got 17 loads of COVID vaccine in her bloodstream, mm-hmm. all right? And she got sick and her whole family. Yes. Colin Powell died mm-hmm. of COVID complications. Now, Colin Powell had Parkinson's disease and other things. He had some serious health problems. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he probably would have passed away from the flu yeah. or anything, anything that would have attacked his, his body. His immune system was not at, because of his mm-hmm. uh, other illnesses. And that's generally the way it is with, with COVID. You have 40% of the people who pass away are in nursing homes. At least that was the numbers I saw last month. So what I, this all goes back to my original point. This is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary to be firing people, making them lose their jobs, because, because the government says you, you have to get a shot, which isn't even really applicable to the original purpose of the vaccine shot. Because it's not following the science. It's not following the science. Yes. It's not following the science. Furthermore, you have something that is 99% plus recoverable. Yes. So if we're going to follow this precedent, really, by making people get shots or lose their jobs, which I don't think a majority of Americans are in favor of, even if you've got the vaccine, you're not in favor of making people's lives miserable right. because they don't get a shot. If we're going to do this... You know what's next up? The flu shot. Yeah. We got to do this for the flu. Yes. Uh, that's really what's you, the same logic would apply. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with me. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.